I'm bored. This is the news that doesn't make the news. It should be in the news instead of the other news. Yes, good morning, Robert. Morning, Patrick. What do you got for us? I think the key to mega wealth is to get lost somewhere and survive on just one item. And what would that item be? Well, it depends. Because Francois, yeah. <laughs> he, he was lost in December. Yeah. He'd been working on his boat in St. Martin. He got caught in adverse weather. Yeah. And he couldn't get back to shore. So he's stuck on his boat for a month living on a bottle of ketchup that he had on board and a couple of spices. Where the alarm bells. He said bells. with no food, it was just a bottle of ketchup on the boat, some garlic powder and Maggi stock cubes. So I mixed it up with some water. <laughs> he even carved help on the side of his boat, which eventually led to his so, rescue. So he was on his boat. He For wasn't far from the shore. No, he was, uh, he was finally rescued 120 nautical miles away from Jeez, Puerto must got, Bolivia. Must have got swept out of there. In the way. Caribbean, almost 1,000 miles away from where he started. Living on tomato sauce. Living on tomato sauce. But you know what happened? When they found him, yeah. uh, the, Heinz, the company Heinz, went... They started a campaign, hashtag find the ketchup boat guy. So they've found him, and yeah. finally now they've been put in contact with him, a group effort across six continents, <laughs> hundreds of articles and leads to get to Elvis. And so now Heinz and Elvis have come together. What do you think is going to happen now? He's going to be the ketchup man. Oh, wow. Surely. Yeah. That's Survive for what? Survive for a month at sea on oh, one item in sauce. particular. You should do it on Alan's lollies or something. <laughs> just go into the bush. <laughs> and then live. And live off Alan's. Remember that bloke lost in the cave and it was just, he was eating chocolate bars? Oh, he had a Mars bar, didn't he? Oh, in the was, mountain. Oh, I thought it was a cat. Was it in Nepal? In and Nepal. He, he was in the side of a mountain. Yeah, and it was, I, it was, it was I'm sure it was a Mars bar. Oh, I thought it was a Cadbury no, chocolate. No, it was a Mars bar. I'm sure it was a Cadbury chocolate. Anyone anyway, from Mars get in touch? All right, so put extra sauce because uh, you live. Yeah. I'm going to get lost yeah, with, <laughs> with a month's supply of something. Well, we're going to Peru for this one. Because a former food delivery man, yeah. now he carried it around in his cooler bag. He's been doing it for a while. Have a guess what it was. What, you just got a cooler bag, so it's yeah. like something to cooler eat. Cooler bag. Was it something to eat? No. Um, was it something you would wear? <sighs> no. No? Was it a toy? Well, for him it was. Do I need to be careful now? Yeah. It was a mummified human. What? Between 600 and 800 years old. How big's the cooler bag? Uh, pretty big. And it was seized in Peru. Now, the man, Julio, Julio Cesar Bermergio, he Correct called the mummy, <laughs> the mummy Juanita and said it was his kind of spiritual girlfriend Juanita. That, his, that his family had for three decades. At home, he said, she's in my room, she sleeps with me, I take care of her. And Mr. Mermijo <laughs> said his father bought the mummy home almost 30 years ago and the body was wrapped in bandages in a fetal position yeah. and the remains, police found the remains in Mr. Mermijo's bag while patrolling a park in the city of Puno where he'd been hanging out with friends. Unfortunately, what happened, the Ministry of Culture, the pre-Hispanic relic, uh, it was a, wasn't Juanita. It, it was a man. It was a oh. It was a mummified adult male. That's unlucky. So it wasn't Juanita, it was Juan. <laughs> Juanita. <laughs> With regards to the financial pressures, it said here the rising cost of living could take a toll on the planet too. Australians are shying away from solar panels and electric vehicles in, fa in favour of tightening their belts. Um, and also going old for new. There might be a bargain that you picked up. What have you changed? Would love to know. One triple three five three. G'day, Sean from Jillaby. G'day, Rob. How are you going? 
Hey, How are you, Shawnee? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Good day, Paddy. Mate, what have you done, like cutbacks with, because uh, you've got the Iris Iris Lodge uh, looking with the alpacas. Yeah, mate. Look, with time's getting tough. We've had to cut back to bananas with the alpacas, and I'll tell you what, they're not happy. <laughs> Spitting left, right, and centre. <laughs> oh, it's just spit fest every now and go, Where's bananas? So we can't afford them. Bang, and that's it. You just get spat at. Because we know Dolce and bananas; those things are expensive, aren't they? Oh, tell me about <laughs> it. What? What? <laughs> but is that true? So, uh, because if, if if the prices of bananas go up, you go, nah, not getting them. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And you you, you go in there and uh, walk in the building. He goes, "Where's my banana?" I haven't got one. Spit, Spit right in your face. <laughs> right in your face. Oh. Won't, let, won't let me in the gate. Hey, there's no respect. There's no respect. <laughs> Mate, have you found it? Because you you have the Iris Lodge where people can go yeah. and, uh, you know, up close and personal with the alpacas. That's on the central coast of Gillaby. Mate, have you found a dwindling of uh, crowds? Yeah, we have actually. It has. It's um, quietened, quietened right down as we're heading into February, yes. which is there. It's not great, but you you can see people starting to uh, tighten their belts and um, choosing what they do and don't do. Yeah. I've worked out how you can do the banana thing, Sean. Yeah. What you do is you get choco, mash it up, add banana essence, and then it's just mashed <laughs> banana, isn't it? They're not going to know the difference. I'll let you try that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd, wear, I'd wear a raincoat. Yeah, put it in an ice cream cone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Mate. Behave yourself. Because last night I sat down with my wife Gwen to watch Married at First Sight. Yeah, I'll just take you back um, to sometime this week when you said to me, I'm face. never bringing up Married at First Sight again, <laughs> ever, with you. Okay. Right. Yeah. So leave the room if you need to. Maybe I need some help. No, I'm going to try and enhance. One three five three. Would anyone uh, like to discuss what I have to discuss? It's uh, a relationship saving moment. Brad is Texas from Batter Bay. Oh four eight two oh eight one oh double seven. Palmer, you're not tr- true to your word. You said you were never going to talk about yeah, married at first sight yeah, again. With you, so off you go. I'm, I'm, I'm up trying Morris to help you. Okay, he's calling through. Hello, Morris. Hey, yeah. Hey, hello, hello Mocker. I'm trying to help you. you. Go, mate. G'day, Mocker. It's good. I'm not talking to Paddy Gerard right now. I'm talking to you because I promised him I'd never discuss Married at First Sight with him, but I watched it last night with my wife, Mocker. It's not, it's not too bad. I'm not it's reading that. It's getting exciting, isn't it? It's getting really exciting. I'm, I'm really into it. I'm on sick leave too, so I'm watching reruns and everything. Oh, you'd have to be sick to watch <laughs> it. Fantastic. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> but look, the, so thing, good. the Pres- thing I wanted to bring up, Mocker. I'm just going to try yeah. and increase this seg- uh, okay. in, improve this segment. Go on. Don't- Paddy, can you stop talking, please? Yeah. We're trying to have a discussion here. Thank you, Morris. Right. And now what he's going to do is go his childish, moronic sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> because he's uncomfortable with discussing emotions of the heart. Yeah, to cry exactly. for help, this is. Anyway, we'll let you go through it. Yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's very exciting at the moment. I'm, I'm a bit worried about Sandy at the moment. Um, oh, so am I. With Dan, with Dan and uh, I think he's, uh, he, he's a very good talker, very good uh, persuader, but... Uh, well, yeah, I think he just needs to come out and, uh, you know, own up to it. So. Well, he does, Mocker, and that was what got me to this point. It wasn't actually discussing the show as such. I sat down with my wife last night. Yeah. The, the truffle pig has not left the studio. He's still he's there playing with his buttons, but we'll try and ignore him. We sat down on the sofa, and we were watching this, and Gwen would say to me, she'd say, oh, that Dan, you know, and I'd say, yeah, I know. And yeah. so I was agreeing with her on all these points because these scoundrels on the show make me look really good. 
And yeah, so exactly. we're all of a sudden we're cuddling on the sofa watching Married at First Sight. She's throwing darts at Dan and I'm agreeing with everything she says and I'm all of a sudden a hero. It ended up with my 17-year-old son coming out, walking past us both going, ooh, look at you yeah. two lovebirds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that yeah, that's what I mean. That's what you get out of that sort of show, I think. Exactly, yeah. Mocha. Thank you for your ear and your voice on the subject. It's been really nice to have a little maturity in the studio. Yeah, exactly. No worries, mate. And I'll continue to watch it because it's doing gangbusters things for my relationship. Yeah. yeah, if you want to, you know, if you want to talk about it any time, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Mocha. It's really nice to know you're available. Listen, Thanks, you two losers. Uh, press preference. Uh, I'm not reading this uh, from our producer step today preference for trashy tv shows mac may actually indicate higher levels of intelligence i don't there you go there you go exactly right higher levels of intelligence that's a fact researchers at the max Planck institute for empirical aesthetics (laughs) (laughs) found that the main thing that attracts people to trash tv genre is Uh, its transgressive nature whatever that means that's right If someone from the Central Coast is doing well, what do we do? Oh, just jump on it. Jump on the bandwagon. Don't we do it? What? Now, I've given, I just had a look because I'm my lifeblood. I've given about seven blood donations. There's a bloke on the Central Coast. Tell you what, today is the day he is doing it big time. He's a Gosford Hospital nerve, Steve Prasad. He joins us this morning. Good morning, Steve. Hey, Steve. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Thank you, mate. Now, today at 10 o'clock, you are making your what number blood donation? 600. Oh, my. That is huge, Steve. Jeez, there'd be nothing left of you. (laughs) It's just the number. But there's only, what, one in... uh, How many people, Australians, have ever reached the 600 mark? 75. See? Only 75 Australians. How often often are you allowed to give blood? Like, 600? Paddy's done it seven times, and I often hear him say, I'm going down to give blood, and you think, righto, but that's been going on for a little while. He's got to seven. To get to 600, how, many, how often do you do it? Well, I'm a plasma donor, so I can go every two weeks. So that's 25 donations a year I can do. Blood can only do one every 12 weeks, which is four a year. So and you do the big plasma. 25 a year, you've got 600. Are you doing the maths on this one? So <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, even, haven't when, even tried. When did you start? So it's 25 a year, you've got four years, that's 100. You've got four, six, <laughs> or 24. Oh, that's 24 years. Yeah, I've been donating since 1979. Mainly started with blood, but then I moved to um, plasma when I come up the coast. Mate, how many how many wow. people you reckon through what you've done, Steve? Would lives would you have saved? Um, I'm told it's, it's between 1,200 and 1,500 people. Oh, that's sensational, mate. Gee whiz. That is sensational, and, and it's always good because you go to Life Blood, and once you give your blood or your plasma, you always get the uh, banana milkshake and a sausage roll or a pie. What do you go for? I go for the sausage roll. Yeah, usually that, and a chocolate milkshake or caramel. I also do that as well. I also make milkshakes for the people as well. Oh, do you help out as well? Oh, yeah, so you volunteer. Oh, what a legend, mate. What Hold a bloody on, legend. What blood type are you, Steve? I'm O positive. Right. Okay, mate, now how long have you been... I, I work with a bloke. He's just been negative all the time. <laughs> he, Steve didn't even laugh at that. Thanks, no. Steve. Hey, yeah. mate, so you've been donating for a fair while, only 75 Australians to reach the 600 donation milestone. Now, what is there one... A Guinness Book of Records on blood donations. What was is the most anyone's donated, do you know? 1,173. 1,173, yeah. And he, and he lives on the Central Coast. Did he really? Oh, come on. 
No, he lives in the same, same suburb as I do. Oh, was that James Harrison? That is James Harrison. Wow. There you go. Is that, is that what you're going for, Steve? I would try to. I try to he, he actually t- asked me whether I was going to break his record, and I said, I'll try. You're all right, mate. Well, listen, that is a huge thing. If you've never donated blood or plasma, just give them a call. Go into Lifeblood. They've got uh, donation joints all around the Central That's Coast. That's right. Or because... just visit lifeblood.com.au. Yeah, and as, as Steve, saving you know up to 1,200, 1,500 people's lives by doing what you do. Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations, mate, yep. reaching 600 donation milestone. That's huge, What buddy. a real difference. Uh, thank you. Do what I could. Good on you, Steve. Why is it that when you use something, be it at home or the workplace, then it breaks, you immediately are accused of the person who broke that particular... The last person that uses it, you break it, you own it. Isn't that how it works? Uh, No. If I loaned you something... No, absolutely not. Yeah, sure. Let's say you, you wanted my Kanga. To do your little jackhammering, and then you bring the kanga back, and you go, "Oh, mate, it's broken." Hang on, that's your kanga now. Hang on, mate, I couldn't use your kanga because your kanga, because you didn't have a spade bit. No, I didn't have a spade bit. And then you said, "You go out and buy one, and I'll keep it." So, bump, bum. Oh, I didn't oh, use I'm, it. This is that's not the point. The point is, <laughs> if you brought back my kanga and it was broken, no way, you would then own the kanga, and you'd have to buy me a new one. So I went to turn on the microwave yesterday at work, and it came up with an H ninety eight error. I had no idea. I just read that this morning where the H98 means the component that produces the microwave is fried, so it costs more to have it replaced than to buy a a new microwave. You know what it is? It saw you coming, and it knows what you put in (laughs) the microwave. So I was accused of breaking the microwave. But the thing is then, which I I didn't, I was just the person. And you know what? I bet it was used beforehand, and they just let me touch it. So, you know, I'll blame him. (laughs) So, (laughs) So is it still broken? Yes, Anyway. Did you look into fixing it? No. That's someone else's job around here. Above my pay grade. Looks like, but looks like you owe the what happened, triple though? M kitchen. We, Rob and I both had pizza yesterday. So Rob said, I'll use this. I'll use the sandwich press to heat the pizza up. Good bloody idea. It was a good idea. But today, mate, I brought in roast. Forgetting the microwave was broken. Oh. Hasn't been fixed. What are you going to do? How do I heat roast up? Do I, put it in the, do I put it in the dishwasher? Put it on a warm, hot cycle? No. How do you heat up roast? Do you oh, put it mate. in the hot water? Put it in a sealed container. Boiling water. Boil, boiling container. water. Sealed that container. Would, that would, would that warm work? It up. That would warm it up. Can I heat Have a roast? Got, yeah, you can do it in the sandwich press. How? I got potatoes. Yeah, just and put veggies it in the with gravy. Sandwich press. It'll be like Portuguese, <laughs> Portuguese roast. Just flatten it out. But the question I lead. Easy, mate. Question I lead to: Have you used another appliance in the home that it wasn't made for? Guilty. Yeah, everyone's done that. Yeah, guilty. I used um, I used an, uh, the oven, the, the mm. home oven, just dry out my shoes once. Stunk to high heaven. Don't do that at home. It's really bad. Don't do it. Can melt. Who has used the dishwasher to do their clothes? You've put your hand you... in the air. No, I didn't. I was only joking. Oh. <laughs> 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 I bet people. What about? Well, I know someone who used an iron to make a um a toasty because they didn't have uh. The toasty, so they use an iron because you know how see, it gets that would hot. Work. See, bloody works. Put a bit of alfoil over the iron. I see. Po- get your toasty. See stuff like that in hotel rooms. You improvise. You, stuff. you improvise. That's what you do. One, two, or three, five, three. I'm sure you do. Um, a lot of people. I found out after I heated the shoes in the oven that you can actually <laughs> do them in the clothes dryer. They got special racks that you can put in there, and they and the shoes just sit yeah. there and they don't tumble around. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. 
Right. What you can do. It's, it is just amazing. You know, a cordless drill, there. that's been used before. Oh, yeah. I had yeah. to paint something round, mm. so I just put a screw into the end of the piece I had to paint yeah. and then had the cordless drill yeah. and had it connected to the thing and just spun it and Bingo. you hold the paintbrush still and it's perfect. Bingo. We've got Steve from your minor. dipped. G'day, Steve. G'day, Steve. Hey, guys. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. What happened? So uh, I, I worked with a guy that loved cocktail franks. So what he'd do at the, at the office, he would... Um, put them in the kettle, fill hmm. up with water, turn the kettle on to uh, heat his cocktail franks up. <laughs> See? Oh, that's a good idea. Imagine, oh, you're See making that? tea with cocktail franks stinking water. water. <laughs> <laughs> I think we went through about four kettles because every time you do it, it just smell of, of frankness. And no matter how, how, how you worked it out, it just didn't work. Unmistakable <laughs> smell too, Steve. <laughs> Hey mate! Frank <laughs> uh, oh, it could it could catch on. 